0: Welcome to the Free Sermon Podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. What a wonderful conference we have been having. I've been able to hear a number of the sermons and uh, been very, very refreshed by the whole tenor of the conference. As we came into this conference, it was quite apparent by numbers of the sermons that uh, we are deeply moved and stirred by what we are seeing in our society and in our government. Pastor Payne's sermon last night focused. Pastor Ray Ruby's this morning focused. Pastor Foley's focused. And I have been deeply troubled, deeply moved, and it's very important uh, in times like this that we do not lose our perspective. I remember coming to uh, breakfast one morning, one of our men said to me, I think about a year ago, said, Pastor, I don't think there's any hope for our country. And so I said, not so fast. God is God. So we're seeing some very troubling, troubling issues, the events are very disturbing, the last few weeks are almost unbelievable for anybody as old as I am to see the Supreme Court of the United States of America declare unconstitutionally against all natural law, against any reasonable consideration that same-sex marriage will be normal and legal in America. Politically, religiously, rulings are coming out one right after the other. And in those rulers rulings that tied in also with the apostasy of much of Christianity that ought to know better, that the country's in going in the wrong direction. Can you say amen? Anybody here that doesn't believe the country's going in the, in the right direction, you need your brain examined. So it's very, uh, very uh, uh, interesting that as we come to grips with this, undoubtedly we're experiencing what the Bible says truth. Uh, is fallen in the streets. Had an interview with John Gooding last week, he wanted to talk to me. He's working on a thesis and he wanted to ask me a few questions about he's doing a thesis about the sustainability of our fellowship. What do I believe are some necessities or some dimensions that we must have if we're going to continue what we have enjoyed And seeing God, and it was a very interesting uh, interview with him. And he made a statement. He said, the reason that I joined with the fellowship those many years ago is that you believed in the remnant. I said, yes, I do. I've preached on the remnant probably two, three times in my ministry. And uh, so... uh, This little seed that's planted by that statement, I uh, was gelling that the next morning. I'm in prayer and I I just can't let it go. I called him on the phone while I was in prayer. And I said, you made this statement that you joined with us because we believed in the remnant. So what does that mean to you? John is a very, very good pastor. He's a very uh, uh, astute student. He is a very uh, uh, interested student of Bible history and also secular history. I've been with him in a number of the trips to uh, the Holy Land working on sermons, and he just is a classic in his mind. So that launched him. And uh, he said, well, uh, then he talked about the judgment of Jerusalem. He talked about Josiah, he talked about Jeff and I, one, two, three, went about three or four rabbit tracks, and he danced all around Bud Brown's barn. And, you know, I'm listening to this. And so. And then he made a statement. He said, It means a whisper of hope. I said, That's what I'm looking for. Romans chapter 9. Turned with me, I want to preach to you about a whisper of hope. Romans chapter 9, beginning with verse 22. What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared before, uh, beforehand for glory, even us whom he called, uh, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, And he says also in Hosea, I'll call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, you're not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Sabaoth had left, a, left us a seed, we would have been come like Sodom, and we would have been made like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith, but Israel... Pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. A whisper of hope. So think with me for a moment. I'm going to repeat uh, several statements that are uh, concerning this, uh, a whisper of hope. There lies the issue. In God's remnant, these are those in whom is the full potential to make God known, having a remnant of the Spirit. I've always uh, considered this, I've preached on this, I've always looked at this, uh, and I've always looked at this as a group of people who against the assaults of hell in the desperate times gathered together, held true to the faith, uh, and were true to the end. That's not what it means. It means much, much, much more than that. What it means is uh, That here is rather than an enclave of people gathered together, holding out uh, believers, uh, holding out to the end. uh, It is a seedbed of revival, springing up and triggering spiritual renewal wherever they are and wherever they go. So stay with me for a moment because I'm going to repeat that theme several different times. Uh, God... Has a purpose in the purpose of God, we need to ponder to get direction because we're living in in in, in chaotic times we're living in unbelievable times when it seems that uh, uh, those who are followers of God uh, are losing the battle. It seems like the purpose of God is losing ground. It seems like on every hand that the devil is triumphing, uh, and even in a nation where uh, liberty freedom and rights and law has rule it seems like we're losing that uh, and so uh, there's a uh, many uh, concepts of god we have deism deism is a uh, concept people who believe that god is uh, but he created uh, the world and the people in it and just spun it off uh, and he has no more control nothing else to do with it it's on its own uh, and if this is true, why this world's spitting out of control, can you say amen? But you see, deism is wrong. It's not only wrong, but as Bob overson said, it's dead wrong. So let's look for a moment here, because this present world that we're living in is twisted at the moment. Uh, Philippians 2.15, that you may become uh, blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a, uh, a crooked and perverse uh, generation among whom you shine as lights uh, in the world. So think about this for a moment, because here in the last few weeks, same-sex marriage uh, made the law of the land. You have, most of you have no concept what that's going to mean. You say, well, that's bad. I know that's bad. Uh, no, you don't realize how that's going to play out. Some people who have a brain and are older do understand how that's going to play out, uh, because it's going to mean something profound uh, for believers uh, in the Church of Jesus Christ. In the legal arena, courts who are staffed with activist judges are giving legal ruling, legal ruling after legal ruling, to destroy the authority of the home uh, and to bring imbalance and to give an excuse to intervene in the home and tell you how you're going to raise your children. And simple discipline is ruled uh, as uh, abuse uh, of children. Now, God has a purpose, and that purpose is the redemption of the world. Verse 23 says, "...the riches of his glory upon the vessels of mercy." Titus two thirteen and 14 said, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's God's purpose. Now this is contrary to reason. You see, reason would say that God looks upon mankind who has sinned, who has rebelled against his purpose, uh, and say of mankind, you made your bed, lay go to hell. That would be reasonable. Can you say amen? But you see, here we have uh, this wonderful purpose of God, uh, and Paul spells out this business of redemption. Bear with me. Ephesians 2. And you... Digest that for a moment Here's the world in which we live Here are the child molesters Here are the pedophiles Here are the murderers Here are the deceivers Here are the betrayers This is mankind And he just spelled this out uh, A spirit that works in the sons of just obedience Who are the children of wrath But then he comes to this tremendous verse uh, In verse 4 But God oh thank God can you say amen but God (laughs) hallelujah but God so think about this for a moment who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive uh, together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace uh, you have been saved uh, through faith. And not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, uh, lest any man should boast. Uh, for we are his workmanship, uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God prepared before him. That we should walk in them what a story can you say amen you want to make a drama you make amount to make a movie you will never find a greater story than that contrary to reason contrary to what is deserved uh, contrary to all logic the god of the universe uh, reaching down to a fallen humanity uh, and because of his love uh, lifts them out uh, makes him creatures of blessing uh, for his great love uh, and the riches of his glory upon the uh, vessels of mercy. We have some wonderful converts in our congregation. We have a video that some of you have seen. This is a video of a young man. A few months ago, this man was sitting behind uh, a dumpster in a circle. And as he's sitting behind that dumpster, he's hooked on Heron, he's hooked on a Fadiman, uh, he's at the end of his uh, rope, uh, you can see an emaciated uh, expression on his face, he has long hair, and he decides to make a selfie. Now, making a selfie is, uh, is popular today, you know. I mean, we were uh, last year in Israel and I saw uh, this w- woman had a stickler, and I said, What is that? So just It's a selfie. He's making a selfie of herself. (laughs) That was the best selling gift last year in Christmas with selfies. He's making a selfie of himself. uh, And as he's making this selfie, he's at the point of suicide. He's made choices. Those choices are all wrong. They brought him to this place. He's helpless, hopeless. Uh, He's a loser. He's a drug addict. Uh, He sees no way out. Uh, and he's making that selfie.
1: He has no idea
0: that how that's going to play out. A couple of months later, he comes in contact with our uh, ministry, and he gets saved. <laughs> but God. He gets saved. Somebody discovers, he's, somebody discovers he's made that selfie. And as they see he's made that selfie, he said, now... Uh, he's now, he's cut his hair, he's clean-shaven, he's, he's wearing a tie, he's in his sound mind, and they say, now you may need to make another selfie. That's about seven minutes long. If you haven't seen that, you need to get it from the kit. Church, a glorious testimony of John Crow, who God has redeemed from a life of sin and shame and drug addicts. See, this is the purpose that God has for all mankind. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 says the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now the issue here tonight is hope. If you're a preacher, write hope in your Bible, front and back, with a note under it, Pastor Mitchell said, you need to preach hope. Here's a rich history. We have a prophet. His name is Elijah. He's wonderfully used by God. He's on Mount Carmel. He's on Mount Carmel. He called fire down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the water. He engineers the the death of 450 prophets of Baal and 400 other prophets besides that. And... uh, this is in a contest uh, against uh, Ahab, the king of Israel, and uh, Jezebel, his whore wife. Jezebel sends this prophet a message the next time I lay eyes on you, you're dead. He runs for his life, runs down in Horeb. He's in a cave. He's there. He's uh, moaning the blues. Uh, and as he's mourning the blues, God, I'm just doing what you call me to do. Now look at the mess I've gotten into. Uh, Jezebel's going to kill me. Uh, and uh, uh, Lord, uh, uh, there's nobody to save but me left. They've digged down your altars. They've slain your prophets. And here I am. God begins to speak to Elijah in that cave in Horeb. A great wind comes to blows a Horrible, a hurricane wind comes. Uh, he's waiting for God to speak to him. He doesn't. Then a fire comes Comes through, burns up, and incinerates everything. God's not in the fire. An earthquake comes, shakes everything. God's not there. And then the Bible says uh, he heard a still, small voice, a whisper from God. In that still small voice, God said, "Elijah, I've reserved to myself seven thousand who haven't bowed the knee to Baal, nor kissed his image. I've got a job for you right now, son. I want you to go up, uh, and I want you to anoint Hazael as the king of Syria. I want you to anoint Jehu as the king of Israel. That's where Ahab and Jezebel have their throne." And I want you to anoint Elisha in your place as a prophet. And here he goes. Now listen to this. These are troublous times. These are desperate times. Ahab and Jezebel have ruled the roost. Elijah has hidden several times. Uh, But he goes, uh, and out of that that word, Elijah is a remnant. He's mistaken. Remnant is someone who hides out uh, and is not visible. But you see, God has his hand upon his prophet. Elijah is a remnant of God. A remnant is a seed in which God's purpose resides, uh, waiting to be expressed to bring to pass God's purpose uh, on the earth. Uh, He goes up, he anoints uh, Hazael as the king of Syria, he anoints Jehu as the king of uh, of Israel and uh, in, in Samaria. And he anoints uh, Elisha in his room. Uh, and look at how it comes out. Next we read God coming in and taking the field. Hello. How many of you know God can take the field? God comes in and takes the field. Jehu comes into Samaria, goes to Ahab's palace. He's already taken care of Ahab. And here's Jezebel. She's up in a second floor window. And all the neutered charismatics are up there, the, the eunuchs. And uh, as they're there, the Bible says she fixes her hair in one of these wild women hairdos. Uh, she puts on Maybelline, uh, paints up her eyes, uh, and... Uh, and um, Mitchell says she probably puts on silk, uh, a no silk, a braless blouse, uh, and up drives Jehu, and as she sees him come up, she looks out, and she's never met a man she can't seduce. He said, Why don't you come up and see me, big boy? It's in the Bible. Read it. Jehu said, Throw that slut down here. Yes, amen! Yes, amen! They throw her down, she bursts asunder, and all that's left of her is the palm of her hands as a dog's eater. Justice is served for the death of Naboth. God can take the field, my friend. God can take the field. Here is a profound revelation, a whisper of God, a whisper of hope. So let's examine this for a moment because the remnant is something that has a purpose beyond the visible and the present. Verse twenty-seven, our text. Let's define the women, the uh, uh, the word remnant for a moment. One. Uh, Definition could be a seed of believers who hold to God's truth. A people in whom is life, spiritual life, and that spiritual life resides who will be the catalyst to bring forth fruit for God or the embryo of God's future harvest like a seed waiting to be released. No, no, the remnant is not those that are hiding somewhere and hoping that Jesus will come before uh, it gets any worse. The remnant of those in whom rests the Spirit of God, the seed of God's purpose, uh, all the potential that God is, uh, and is waiting simply to be released uh, for God's uh, purpose. Uh, And if you follow that through, it's all through the Bible. In the book of Esther, it's Mordecai. Mordecai's a Jew. The Jews have been taken there from uh, uh, Israel. They're in Babylon. And it's very interesting uh, that the devil is always wanting to wipe out believers in God. And so the story goes, there's a wicked man. His name is Haman. He's an Agagite. I don't know if you know the story about Agag the fag. So you've you've uh, you've got Saul. He's got orders to... Uh, kill Agag, he brings him back, and as he brings him back, the Bible says Agag looked, and he thinks maybe that the, that death is past, and he says he comes wincing up, you know. <laughs> Samuel grabs the sword, cuts him in three pieces before he can even hit the ground. That's Agag the fact. Haman is an Agagite. He gains favor with Azirius. Now listen to me carefully. As he gains his favor, the law is written. In the law, you cannot reverse a law. The only way a law can be countermanded is it must be superimposed with another law. But he has a law in his hand. Every Jew is to die in this land. It's legal. He's got it. You see, how many of you know God can take the field? You can read this story for yourself. Uh, God undertakes. uh, uh, It's a very interesting story. Uh, Haman thinks he's got it uh, made. Uh, He builds a gallows 75 foot high to stretch this little Jew's net. Uh, He hates him because he won't do that. And as he does that, God takes the field. And when God takes the field, suddenly everything's reversed. Uh, And as everything's reversed, here he has uh, this gallows uh, ready for... Hey, uh, ready for Mordecai, it's decorated with rainbow colors, you know, and he's waiting. Oh, he's got it made. Yeah, he's on the inside track, isn't he? But in a moment's time, God changes that uh, and Haman is hung on his own gallop. One thing you can mark down is that uh, always uh, these little perverts will overplay their hand. uh, as God is on the scene. Now, think with me for a moment. I'm, 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 I'm wandering around for my sermon here. I just have an inkling. I'm, I mean, I just have an inkling that we're right at the point where God is going to do something stunning to the whole world. As yes, he meant, he can do that, you know. Here we have in the New Testament, we have Herod. Herod's feeling his oats, uh, he's killing some Christians, uh, he's feeling very spiffy about himself, and he gives a speech and they're trying to flatter him out there. And as uh, as he's speaking, he's making this feeling it's a voice of a God. It's not a man, it's a voice of a God. And, yeah, well, um, you know. And right before them all, uh, he falls down and worms eat him right while they're watching. That'd make good CNN footage, I want to tell you for sure. You say, you think God can do it? He has done that. And I have this inkling, I have just a whisper of hope. Just a whisper of hope based on the word of God. God's not going to let this go unanswered. Oh, well, yes. This is the President of the United States. This is all this little crew. And he's gonna absolutely obliterate America. Well, you know, there's a lot of praying Christians in America. And I'm not know, know what God's going to do, but I just have an inkling. You know, there, there's a, uh, uh, there's a, there was a powerful general named Sennacherib. He came down to, uh, Jerusalem. And as he came down there, he'd wiped out 19 stronghold cities, uh, the... Last one was Lachish, and now he's surrounding, he's got Jerusalem in a siege. And he begins to mock God. His messengers stand outside. They're mocking, you're God, what do you think your God can do? They're mocking. You know, God does have ears. And that very night, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers fell dead on the ground. With one angel. Are you listening to me? I just have this inkling inside. I just have this feeling. I just have this whisper of hope. That God is going to do something so stunning. He's going to answer this crowd. To give them a space for repentance. To make it so. Okay, I'm wondering for my sermon this evening. So let me get back down. Because the remnant... Uh, Is uh, when the wickedness, when uh, iniquity shall abound, uh, then grace shall much more abound. Can you say amen? The remnant are believers in Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says in Romans 9, verse 33. Behold, I lay in Zion a a stumbling stone and rock of (coughs) offense, excuse me, and whoever believes on him will not be put to to shame Jesus Christ came on the scene in the darkest hour of Israel's existence he came when the Roman armies had uh, uh, were in control injustice was on every hand they had imposed upon them Caesar worship uh, that the ruler of Rome was God Uh, they're in bondage injustice is everywhere that's the very hour that Jesus came on the scene so think with me for a moment. Uh, the priests were backslidden, and Rome had imposed Caesar where injustice was rampant. Uh, but in that very moment, God uh, then sends forth the solution, uh, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so here now is the seed of a future revival. It's in Jesus Christ and those who believe in him. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9, Except the Lord of uh, of hosts, uh, had left us to, unto us a very small remnant or seed, we should have been like Sodom, and we should have been like uh, Gomorrah. Galatians chapter three verse sixteen says, "Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made, he does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. You see that in history, God does judge sin and he does uh, uh, judge rebellion. And out of a remnant, over and over again, God has always had a remnant. And out of that remnant has come his purpose uh, fulfilled uh, uh, to carry for the purpose of God uh, a whisper of hope. Listen to this poem. Truth forever on the scaffold. Wrong forever on the throne, yet the scaffold holds the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, uh, keeping watch above uh, his own. So here's our calling now. These men have preached very ably, Brother Payne, uh, Brother uh, Ruby, Brother uh, Foley, but let's think for a moment now, because along the same line, and no contradiction to what they've said, but in reinforcing that, here we find in scripture very clearly that you and I have been placed, and as we've been placed, we've been placed to bring forth the purpose of God. That is our calling to contend. Give me, let me give you a prophetic note. You may have heard me say this. In 1965, I had an evangelist. That evangelist's name was Dick Mills. It was a very bleak time in my life. He gave me two scriptures that I wrote down in my, uh, underlined in my Bible. One of these was Isaiah 58 uh, and verse 12. The other was Isaiah 61, verse 4. 1965, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Chapter 61, verse 4. They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolation, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Now think about that for a moment, because this was a prophecy given to me Our fellowship came into being to be a remnant. Did you hear what I said? Our fellowship came into being to be a remnant. This is what the remnant is all about. To demonstrate biblical Christianity and a biblical church. In the book of Amos... Chapter 9, verse 11 goes along with it. On that day I'll raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I'll raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Verse 13, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman pra- 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 shall overtake the reaper, and the gate grapes him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills uh, shall flow. Uh, with it. That's the result, which is the revival uh, that God has promised. So here's our calling and here is our destiny. Pastor Camel was telling me he was in Malaysia in a rally recently. Now, Pastor Camel was a missionary in uh, Malaysia some years ago. Some very difficult circumstances there. Uh, It looked like uh, the churches were going to be persecuted and some people were arrested and and, uh, he and Connie fled to Manila for a period of time. And, uh, they called me and, and I said, if you want to come home, I'll bring you home. And he said, no, I want to, I want to go back in and try it one more time. They went back in. Now, he's just recently there. The years have rolled on. And he's sitting there and he's looking at that auditorium. He's looking around the, standing on the back wall. And as he's looking there, he sees workers from Malaysia, from Nepal, from Burma, from Cambodia. Most of these are pastors. Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, uh, China, and Australia. And he said God whispered to him. Now think about this. He's in fear for his life. He was betrayed by the man that he was uh, training. This was a chaotic time uh, and turmoil He's left a church and a man's tried to rip that church off. He's hearing all of that. And he says, God whispered to him. Remember what I started to preach this on? A whisper of hope. God whispered to him, wasn't it worth it? He sees the seed. He sees the remnant. He sees those in whom is the purpose of God who can now go back into their nations uh, and will multiply, 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 uh, and bring to pass the purpose of God. Wasn't it worth it? This is a seedbed of what God is going to do. So let's look for a moment as I conclude, because what we're looking at in Romans is the dimensions for an accelerated work. In Romans 9, 28, he finished the work, cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And so as we look at that for a moment, we see that God reveals to the remnant the elements to accelerate that, that, that purpose of God for which he has raised them up. Several dimensions that God has revealed to us that we're not finished with yet. One of these is we are a lay movement. Write that down. Engrave it on your heart. We only have three people that I know that have formal theological training, and I barely escaped with my soul from it. (laughs) Kevin Foley had some. He escaped, came to Prescott to run from it. John Gooding, he's still here, so we're watching him. (laughs) We are a lay movement. Most of you have no no concept how powerful that is uh, because embedded in that uh, of non-professional preachers uh, is a lay dynamic. They preach and they speak the language of the street. Uh, they can communicate. Uh, and uh, I'm sure that if you're a visitor, you'd be the first to say, these men have been preaching can preach. Yes, amen, they can preach. We are following the indigenous principle. The dignity of the local church. I spoke on this taking the offering last night. Can you believe that in this little city, Prescott, Arizona, we had some folk come over from London some years ago and said, you know, is it going to be difficult to catch the, catch the subway of oh, it? Ain't no subway here, man. <laughs> Can you believe that in this little city, God has gloriously moved out of a local church to trigger a wonderful work that God is doing. God has done it. Evangelism is a heartbeat. Never, never turn aside. This is our focus, this is our aim. And uh, uh, the writer said of that book that I recommended, when the Holy Spirit comes in, A missionary spirit comes in. Mark that down and write it down. And not only that, we have, as I said earlier, people's conferences. What makes this conference so powerful is not the preachers that are here. We thank God for the preacher. It's the people that are here. They're the ones that are catching the vision. They're the ones that pulled the bucks out of their pocket last night, wrote the checks in the night before that and tonight. They're the people that's going to pay for these preachers to fulfill their calling. We are a people conference orientation that is very, very powerful. Write it down. Some of you don't even have a clue what that means, but write it down anyway. Think about it. Moral standards. We have moral standards. This is why this these uh, the trend is so enraging to us. Uh, but First uh, Corinthians six and verse eighteen says, "Flee sexual immorality." Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. That's what the Bible says, and because God says that in the Bible, we hold to it and we will discipline uh, sin. So let's think about this for a moment. Because as I said before, I feel a whisper of God. I feel that God's getting ready to do something fantastic. I'm not talking about just continuing people getting saved. We're going to do that. But I believe we're going to see a stunning action of God that is not going to be a, a, a questioned, but that God responded to his mockery. This is a very interesting story, and this story uh, is told as being an actual uh, event that took place, an actual transcript uh, of a U.S. naval ship with, with Canadian uh, authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in October 1995. And the radio conversation uh, was released by the Chief of Naval Operations, uh, and it says this. "Is an American fleet and, and task force. Americans?" Please uh, divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. Canadians. Recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a a collision. Americans. This is the captain of the U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians. No. I say again, you divert your course. Americans. Americans. This is the aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand that you change your course 15 degrees north. That is one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship, Canadians. This is the lighthouse. Your call. <laughs> I want to tell you that God is God. He's not going to change who he is for Barack Obama. He's not going to change who he is for you or me. He's not going to change who he is for the Anglican or the Methodist Church. He's not going to change who he is for Bruce Jenner. God is God. Now remember the remnant. The remnant is a people whom uh, whom and through whom God manifests uh, visibly and demonstrably his power and his uh, will at the present moment. And in spite of the devil's work, uh, let's think about that. Who was it, our brother Ruby this morning, maybe Kevin also, said, you and I are a voice for God. Are you listening to me? A voice for God. God has put us in this place. God has raised us up for this purpose that we will make manifest a voice for God. We're a kernel, if you will, of true believers who are principally the believers in Jesus Christ, uh, who will contend for the faith uh, and dedicate themselves to restore and to express God's will in a time of apostasy and uh, decline in the earth uh, of God's testimony. A remnant is not just those who preserve some facet of God's purpose, uh, but those in whom God has placed the power uh, to facilitate uh, God's uh, visitation. Now think with me for a moment because I want to add to this as I conclude. Not only do I feel this impulse and inkling, but I'm, I've it a long, long time. And uh, I'm seeing something happen and I'm hearing reports and unusual reports from the field. We just had on July the 4th uh, our annual God and Country presentation downtown Prescott, Arizona at the the end of the parade uh, giving honor to the military giving honor to our country uh, those that have served and ending with the preaching of the gospel uh, and there's probably three to uh, three and a half thousand people that are gathered there and that's a wonderful, wonderful venue 37 mostly adult people stood up, came forward to pray a sinner's prayer think about that Oh well, that's it, Prescott. That happens all the time. No, it doesn't. I can never remember more than ten, and that's unusual. In our outreaches in the plaza that we're doing every other Monday night, uh, almost every Monday night that they've done it, uh, ten and eleven people pray a sinner's prayer. In that, God is doing something, folks. God is doing something. Jesus is coming again. God is pouring out his spirit. Uh, and when the remnant uh, will be the remnant and speak for God, uh, God will act and move. Uh, and this is what the remnant is. You say, uh, you told me, you told us we're going to give you a remnant. So I always looked at the remnant as this bunch of people gathered together, holding out to the end, beleaguered, uh, because uh, every assault and every reputation... Uh, and they're just holding on to the end. That's not what the remnant is. The remnant are those that God has positioned in a crucial moment of time regardless of the judgment that it comes, regardless of the society that it's in. These are those that will speak for God and bring forth God's revelation to further His purpose and to further the, the, the calling that God has brought. Elijah... You change the king in that country. You change the king in this country. This is a this is a man of God. He's just been he had been hiding in the cave down in the And besides that, you anoint Elisha, and Elisha is the man who had twice the miracles that Elijah had. God is always on the move, my friend. He always will move. He always has had a remnant, and he always will answer sin and respond to those who mock Him. I want every head bowed, I want every eye closed.